Stocks finally wake up to what treasuries have been saying for weeks, and we've got ourselves a good old-fashioned bank run. I'm Graham Summers, and this is Bulls, Bears, and BS. Welcome back to Bulls, Bears, and BS. I'm Graham Summers, Chief Market Strategist for Phoenix Capital Research, and today is Friday, March 10th, 2023. So, to understand what just happened yesterday in the financial markets, we need to wind back the clock and analyze how this year started. Last year, as I've repeatedly said, was the year of inflation, and inflation forced Treasury yields to skyrocket. Prior to the inflationary storm we experienced, the yield on the two-year treasury was roughly 0.25%. Once inflation entered the financial system and the Federal Reserve was forced to react to that and start hiking rates, the yield on the two-year treasury spiked up to 4.75% in October of 2022. Now, as I've repeatedly stated both in my book and in articles, and here, the yield on treasuries represents the risk-free rate of return against which all risk assets are priced, including stocks. So when yields skyrocketed as they did in 2022, this forced the stock market to be repriced lower. Going into that episode, the stock market was typically being priced at between 20 and 22 times forward earnings. That's historically a pretty rich valuation, But when you consider the fact that treasuries were offering so little in the way of yield, it was a way of saying that investors were willing to pay a higher multiple in order to obtain the growth that they got from stocks. However, once treasury yields began to rise, going as high as 4.75% on the two-year, this changed everything because suddenly you can earn 4.75% in two years risk-free. And so stocks were repriced lower, down to 16 to 18 times forward earnings. And that was where things were as 2022 ended. The big problem for everyone was that the United States is becoming something of a banana republic in that our economic data is really pretty much fiction, at least the first round. And we saw this with October, November, and December with the inflationary data, where it looked as though disinflation was indeed occurring, meaning that the high rate of inflation was dropping precipitously, culminating in the December CPI, that's the official inflation measure, coming in at negative 0.1% month over month, which means that inflation is actually going negative or disinflation is beginning. The problem with all of this is that all of that data is very political now. And when you've got a presidential administration that's keen on showing that inflation's coming down, there's a lot of political pressure on the bean counters to put out numbers that look good. Now, what's staggering about all of this is that there are people such as myself who are fully aware that the data's garbage, and then there's the central bank of our country, the Federal Reserve, 
which is the largest employer of economic PhDs in the country with 400 on staff and several hundred analysts and assistants on staff. And yet they didn't seem to figure this out. So the Fed comes out in January and it says disinflation has arrived because they believe this data, which I knew and many other people knew, was total garbage. What does this do? It sends a signal to the stock market that the Fed is essentially close to done in terms of trying to end inflation, and that this idea of a soft landing, that the Fed might actually start pivoting soon and maybe even starting to cut rates soon, is actually going to be a reality. So what did investors do? They piled into stocks. And we had the best January in the stock market that we've had in many years. Unfortunately, all of this was based on complete and utter garbage. And no matter how sophisticated you are as an investor, if your model has garbage going in, well, then it's going to put garbage out. The end result of this is that the financial system went right back into bubble mode. Believe it or not, financial conditions were actually as loose or looser in February of 2023 as they were in February of 2022, which of course was before the Fed had even raised rates once. Similarly, options trading erupted in a way that signaled that once again rampant, frenzied financial speculation was back. We've now got these things called zero DTE or zero days to expiration options contracts. That means that the option literally expires the day that it's issued. This is nothing more than rampant, degenerate gambling. And it now accounts for something like 40% of all options trading. So we're getting technical here, but what I'm trying to say is that the Fed, by being as idiotic as it was and falling for this economic data, which, as I stated repeatedly, was garbage, the Fed once again reignited a bubble in stocks. And in fact, you could potentially argue that this bubble is worse than the one that was existing prior to the Fed tightening monetary policy. Because remember, the bubble we had before the Fed started hiking rates was based on yields at 0.25%. Yields are now at almost 5% in some places in the short end of the Treasury curve. So for the stock market to be trading like it is now, when the risk-free rate of return is 5% in a year, is actually a far more frenzied and bubble-like environment than it was back when it was trading at a higher multiple with yields lower. Put simply, one could easily make the argument that the S&P 500 trading at 4,200 when the yield on the two-year treasury is over 4.5% is a bigger bubble than the S&P 500 trading at 4,800 when yields are at 0.25%. And this is 100% the fault of the Fed. So this brings us to where we are today. Inflation, as I've stated, is not gone. In fact, if anything, it's starting to creep back up again, specifically in the energy side of things. Similarly, all of the data that the Fed initially took as a sign of disinflation has been revised higher, signaling that there is no disinflation anywhere. And finally, we're seeing very, very sticky inflation in the services aspect of the economy. I'm sure you've experienced this firsthand. If you try to hire anybody that's a skilled worker in this economy, it's damn near impossible. Trying to get someone who's competent, talented, shows up on time, does things efficiently, and is willing to work for a wage that's reasonable is almost impossible in today's market. 
finding someone who shows up doesn't take it seriously, doesn't really clock in hard work. That's not hard at all. And in fact, I have friends who run businesses who tell me people show up to job interviews in sweatpants. So again, inflation's very sticky in the services side of things. It's the part of the economy that there isn't really a whole lot of competition. The parts of the economy where there is a lot of competition, unskilled work, wages have not risen as dramatically, and the inflation there is not as sticky. You can see this, for example, in the case of Delta Airlines. Delta recently decided that it was going to raise wages for all of its employees by 5%, but when you go to the high-skilled side of their business, which is namely pilots, those people got raises of 33%. So again, inflation's very sticky in the labor market, but it's particularly sticky, and if anything, looking like a wage spiral in the high-skilled side of the market. For whatever reason, the Fed finally woke up to this, And we had Fed Chair Jerome Powell speaking to the Senate first on Tuesday and then the House of Representatives on Wednesday this week. And he comes out and says everything I just told you. Inflation is actually not coming down as we hoped. It looks as though we're going to have to get a lot more aggressive to tamper it. The job market is surprisingly strong. Inflation surprisingly sticky in services and so on. Now, what this really does is sends a signal to the entire world that the Fed has zero credibility. If the Fed is willing to slow the rate of its rate hikes from 0.5% or 0.75% down to 0.25% based on some garbage data, and then it's suddenly going to switch back to rate hikes of 0.5% based on that garbage data being revised back towards reality, then you've got something of a joke of a central bank. Remember, the Fed is the single most important central bank in the world, and what they've just revealed in the last two weeks is that they're making up their policy on the fly based on data that's complete and utter garbage. It's honestly Banana Republic type stuff, and it's embarrassing to watch. To give you a specific example of what I'm talking about, the New York Fed, which is the most important branch of the Fed involved in the financial markets, has a model for the underlying trend of inflation. Now, this model claimed that inflation was at 3.7% at the end of 2022. It's now revised that up to 4.8%. So the most important branch of the Fed, with its sophisticated model of underlying inflation, has just increased what it thinks was going on in December, which, by the way, was now almost three months ago, by 32.4%. If your model is such garbage that you're revising things by almost a third within 60 days, it's probably not particularly good. And bear in mind, this is not some, you know, boiler room crackpot brokerage somewhere in Jersey. This is the New York Fed. Again, this is the environment we're in right now. And it's really important to do your due diligence on these things as I have been Because if you don't, you start falling for these prevailing narratives like this idea that inflation's going away and you end up getting destroyed. Sure, during a kind of bubble environment like the one we've had the last eight weeks, you can look kind of confused or like you're too bearish, but then inevitably reality comes home to roost and the people who bought into that nonsense get taken to the cleaners. Now, there's one other thing going on that was kind of the match that lit the fuse for this mess, and that was the implosion of Silicon Valley Bank. Silicon Valley Bank is the 15th largest bank in the United States. 
It's predominantly a bank that's used by venture capital funds and other Silicon Valley financial entities, and it's completely collapsed. Its most recent high, which was at the beginning of February, was $322 a share. It's now trading down at 106 So you're talking about a bank that's lost something like two-thirds of its market cap in the space of five weeks. The reason for all of this is that that bank is experiencing a bank run. One of the most bubble-like elements of the financial system for the last 10 years, specifically after COVID-19, was private equity and venture capital. This is a private market in which investment firms ultimately decide what the valuation is of a given business. It's very different from the stock market where you've got millions of investors bidding on the share price, and so it's far more liquid and you have a much more accurate pricing of what a business is worth. In the private equity and venture capital side of things, you might get a transaction once a year, if that. So consequently, the valuations tend to be far more bubbly, far more toxic, far more garbage. So this bank, the Silicon Valley Bank, is up to its eyeballs in that kind of business. And what's happening is investment firms are finally having to start marking their businesses at real rates or at real valuations. The deal is the bubble that we've been talking about ending in stocks is now ending in venture capital and private equity. A lot of these funds are not deploying additional capital to the companies they currently own in their portfolios. So we're probably going to start seeing a lot of bankruptcies in the startup, the venture capital, and the private equity world. Silicon Valley Bank is the kind of Bear Stearns moment for this. It's the first sign that that market's beginning to implode. And this could be really quite significant. The only reason many investment firms continue to have arguably decent track records is because much of the stuff they own that's private is being marked at valuations that are completely unrelated to reality. If these companies had to actually correctly model what they own, most of them would be insolvent. So this could potentially be another crisis down the road. But again, this looks like it's more the Bear Stearns, not the Lehman Brothers aspect of that crisis. I bring all this up because it's once again a sign that another bubble component of the everything bubble, namely private equity and venture capital, is finally blowing up. The everything bubble has burst, and all the mini bubbles in it, whether it's the stock market, real estate, oil, private equity, venture capital, they're all going to go. And this process won't be quick. We're not in an environment like 2008, where the whole mess is over in 9 to 12 months. We're in an environment similar to 2000, where it takes two to three years and it's death by a thousand cuts. So again, I'm bearish. I've been bearish for some time. The Fed has screwed up royally yet again. And all those guys who ran into the markets thinking the bottom's in, it's time to buy the dip, we're back in bubble mode, are going to get taken to the cleaners. Might not happen today, but that's the next major trend for the markets, I believe. Now, we've done a lot of negative, nasty stuff in this particular episode of Bulls, Bears, and BS, so I'd like to end things on a positive note. For the first time in well over 10 years, actually probably more like 15 years, you can earn something like 4 to 5% on your cash. I'm not talking about banks, of course. I'm talking about short-term treasuries or T-bills. The current yield on the six-month T-bill is 5%. Obviously, you'd have to roll it over at the end of the first six months to collect the full 5% in a year. But my point is, courtesy of yields fully rising to where they are today, you can finally earn 4 or 5% in a year on your cash in relative risk-free rates. It's quite a nice situation compared to how things have been for so long where you're making 0.25% on your cash 
and the only thing going was stocks. And I guess that's ultimately really the story here. Since the great financial crisis, there's been the TINA trade, which stands for there is no alternative, meaning the only place where you can get a decent return, whether it's capital gains or yield with stocks, the TINA trade is dead. Yields have finally risen to a point in which you can earn a decent return on your cash, relatively risk-free, and the everything bubble has burst. All of this is dynamic. It can all change, but that's where things are as I'm speaking to you today, Friday, March 10th. I'm Graham Summers, and this is Bulls, Bears, and BS. 